to Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, my name is John Payne. I'm the senior minister here, and I'm here with my two uh, friends and co-hosts, Dr. Gabriel Williams and Reverend Michael Bauer. And we are uh, here today uh, to discuss uh, success as over and against uh, faithfulness and what that means in the life of the church. I don't think any of us want to say uh, that we don't want to be successful um, as it concerns anything. Um, and yet there seem to be some lines crossed uh, in the life of a church, uh, in worship, in uh, seeking to be faithful uh, in the discipleship uh, mechanisms of the church. Is success really what we're going after? And then we have to ask the question, what does success mean in the eyes of the world? And have we adopted those values into the life and the ministry of, of the church. And I think as we launch into this discussion, uh, it's, it's important to remember some of the history uh, of what's taken place since the, the 1980s uh, with the establishment of the church growth movement, really through uh, Bill Hybels up at Willow Creek in Chicago and uh, where there literally was a model uh, and, a, and a well-intentioned model, we must say, mm-hmm. uh, where... Uh, the the staff um, and uh, the, the the members of the young church there that was establishing itself as a, as what's called a seeker sensitive church, uh, they were literally knocking on the doors of their neighbors and uh, non Christian neighbors and asking what can we do to get you to come to our church, mm-hmm. what can we do in our worship services so that you'll stay and, and listen. And so uh, then you had that model then becoming very successful. In other words, thousands of people after a few years were streaming into that church and they were setting up conferences all over the world and teaching other pastors, this is the way you should do it. Mm-hmm. And hence the birth of the seeker-sensitive model all over the world. Uh, and then from there, of course, we've morphed into something that uh, even Willow Creek makes Willow Creek look very traditional and conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, in our own day, where we have uh, worship services where um, there'll be literally circus performances, where there'll be secular uh, songs, Beyonce songs, you know, sung in the services, uh, where you'll have uh, drama, um, where you'll have pastors using foul language because, listen, everybody's listening to this stuff on TV and on the radio, right? So we want to adopt the values and the culture around us in order to be cutting edge enough to win people to a hearing of the gospel, right, is kind of the point. And so what I thought might be helpful uh, for us to discuss um, for our listeners would be to uh, talk about the world's view of success as we think about numbers and we think about influence and all of that. And when does that become a real dangerous thing to adopt in in the life of the church? Well, I guess I'll start. Uh, When I think of the term success as it's used in popular sense, I think of today's, um, today's, I guess, statement on what it means to be a personal brand. Hmm. Yeah. And you think of personal branding as essentially saying you are your own CEO. You're your own business. You're your own movement. And you have your own logo. You have your own (laughs) coffee mug. You have your own shirts. You're you're everything. You're the brand. And that also means that the spotlight is on you. And you intentionally designed it to be that way. 
and there are numerous uh, places you can go that teach you how to optimize your brand, how to make your niche in a market work as it should, how you can push yourself forward and make your brand noticeable to the world so that you can actually you know, increase your business revenue, etc. And that's what I think of when I hear the word success from a kind of the world's kind of basic definition of it is that you're taking your brand, you're taking who you are, making it a brand, making it work and produce revenue for you. And you define your success based upon how how many people know you. How many followers. How many followers do you have. Social media. How, how rabid are your followers, right. <laughs> in one sense. Yeah. Do they defend and support well, you right. yeah. uh, blindly at times? And also, can you make a good living off of it? So we've seen, we've seen this e emerging, right? This very thing you're describing has been adopted by the modern church planting movement mm -hmm. in the church. So you'll have a, a, a man with a lot of charisma, a lot mm -hmm. of personality, building his brand, mm -hmm. placing people around him that are going to, as you say, blindly help them build their brand mm -hmm. and because they're rubbing shoulders with the big man they feel like they have a place and they're important and mm -hmm. and then you have uh, this this man who's building his brand talking a lot about hearing from god and um and uh, doing work for the kingdom and so you would never want to cross him or to go against him because he's hearing from god and he's bringing god's vision to mm -hmm. this church and then with all the numbers of people coming to be a part of this right. work Nobody wants to say, hey, is this right or wrong? It must be right. Mm. It must. It's kind of like, yeah. how could it be wrong if it feels so right? Yeah. You know, you hear those kind of <laughs> lyrics and songs. Well, this is, how could it be wrong when I see 5,000 people exactly. turning up? Yeah. It must be right. The Spirit of God must be moving. And then we say that, and then we look at churches like Joel Osteen's church. Joel Osteen, who uh, every Orthodox pastor theologian would recognize as a modern day false teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, Joel Osteen has said himself, I will not preach the doctrine of sin. That's not my calling. Whereas the Bible makes it very clear that if you are a preacher, you must preach mm -hmm. against right. sin because sin is how we identify ourselves uh, as sinners and, and, and our great need for mm -hmm. the Savior. Um, sin is something we're called to repent of as Christian believers. How could you not preach against sin? But, but, and then on and on we could go about how Osteen is a power of positive thinking, mm -hmm. motivational life coach, mm -hmm. which he calls himself. Mm -hmm. but, but everybody else, of course, identifies his church as a church, his, his meeting place as a church, where there are thousands and thousands of people and millions of people watching him on TV. So success then... Um, begins to look uh, a lot like success looks in the world. That's right. Right. And then the question needs to be asked, what have we seen as the result of this kind of model uh, in, in broad evangelicalism, as it were? Not even in extreme cases like Osteen, but, but in broad evangelicalism, what have we seen? I think one thing that can be said immediately is not only have the pastors themselves changed their perception of what their role is, congregations have now changed what they expect the church to yeah. do. Right. And Correct. to me, that's the more disturbing situation 
where numerous authors have talked about the consumerism of American society. And you would think that the one institution that would put a big halt to that would be the church because clearly you don't come to church for consumeristic reasons. Yeah. Entertainment, yeah. therapy, yeah, exactly. whatever. But we, we now have gotten in some places to the point where members somewhat demand their particular preferences to be acknowledged and established. And it's kind of in an ultimatum sense. If you don't do this, then I will go there <laughs> and leave you. And you will basically be a, you know, a little small church with, you know, basically no one there. Mm -hmm. And that's the sort of mentality that you didn't, you never wanted to foster. But one of the after effects of uh, catering to a consumer mentality is that now your uh, congregation's tastes have changed. Their preferences, yeah. or you can say their actual understanding of what the church is has changed. And what you see oftentimes in these movements as well um, is you see churches trying to keep up with the cutting edges of the of the culture mm -hmm. in order to be able to speak particularly to young people yeah right mm -hmm. and what is interesting um, sociologically mm -hmm. uh, and even psychologically about these kinds of approaches is the way culture and fads change so quickly yes and how churches then are are analyzing the culture and trying to kind of keep up with that so it's yeah. it's reinventing itself mm -hmm. along with the culture over and over so that as the culture gets more and more ridiculous the church gets more and more ridiculous mm -hmm. and uh, an interesting um book was written um by joseph heath and andrew potter um, about this this kind of cycle of how people that uh, are rebels and trying to show themselves as kind of against the culture mm -hmm. suddenly become the culture mm -hmm. and have to either reinvent themselves or they get left behind. And then there are new rebels that yeah. come. And that's a dangerous thing for the church to adopt that kind of, of mentality that we need to keep up with the culture in order to reach the culture. Where in the Bible does it say that we're supposed to do that? And what they um, say in their book, uh, quote, countercultural style begins as a very exclusive thing. It starts out underground, as it were. Particular, particular symbols, a love bead, a safety pin, a brand of shoes or cut of jeans, a tattoo, a body piercing, an aftermarket muffler, <laughs> will serve as points of communication among those who are, quote, in the know. Mm. Yet as time passes, the circle of those who are, quote, in the know expands. Mm. And thus the symbol becomes increasingly common. The club, quote unquote, becomes less and less elite. As a result, the rebel has to move on to something new. Thus the counterculture must constantly reinvent itself. Now, that is very insightful in an analysis of culture, but obviously this applies also to the church, the modern church, who is constantly reinventing itself in order to reach the culture that is constantly reinventing itself. And it's this treadmill of the church always trying to do the next big and best thing. 
And uh, one thing I've talked about with my pastor friends uh, regularly is, isn't it wonderful that we don't have to jump on that hamster wheel? Mm -hmm. Amen. That we don't have to wake up every mor Monday morning thinking, okay, what are we going to do next week to keep right. the people happy right. and to keep the people coming? Right. Rather, what we're waking up Monday morning and saying is, what's my next text that mm -hmm. I'm going to preach? Who's the next person I'm going to uh, disciple yeah. with the gospel? Yeah. Um, uh, and, and so it's a completely different uh, approach. And what I have thought about as well, um, and we were discussing this before the, the, the episode, is how this process, this hamster wheel of success in ministry and branding oneself in ministry has chewed up and spit out mm. ministers of the gospel. So many. Mm. And so we, we think of guys like uh, Tolly and Tavidjian, mm. um, uh, Bill Hybels right. that we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, we think of Perry Noble of mm -hmm. New Spring, uh, Mark Driscoll of right. Mars Hill. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there were others. James McDonald. Ja James McDonald. Uh, Rob Bell. Rob Bell. For different reasons. Yeah. And uh, we could name many more mm. who over this past decade have, in a sense, had the weight of, of popularity and celebrityism on their shoulders, yeah. which in many ways crushes piety. Mm. Mm. And this system, which is not based upon the means of grace, the word sacraments and prayer, which lead us to a humble walk with the Lord, it's not a theology of the cross, mm. a theology that reminds us that Jesus came to suffer for his people and that in the pattern of Christ's life of humiliation unto exaltation, that we are in that pattern as well, it is embracing the glory of the world and rejecting mm. the suffering of the cross. What did Jesus say was the call of discipleship? Take, take up your cross, cross and deny yourself and follow me. Yeah. So, so how does the modern day celebrity, worldly value culture in evangelicalism reinforce this idea of denying yourself and taking up your cross and following him? It, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. Um, and then you ask the question: Follow him? Who is him? Yeah. How, how do you or, or follow me? When Christ says this. The next question is, well, who is Jesus Christ? Because in many of these approaches uh, where worldly success is the standard mm -hmm. rather than godliness, um, people don't even know the gospel. Mm -hmm. It's Christless Christianity, right? It's what, it's what Mike Horton wrote on several mm -hmm. years ago with um, great precision right. and a lot of research to mm -hmm. show that in your modern-day worship services and in your modern-day ministries, Jesus Christ, if he is in, on the margins at all, mm. is on the margins of, of worship and church life. Yeah. The gospel is at best assumed right. and at worst neglected altogether. Yeah. Uh, the focus yeah. is on uh, tithing to keep mm. the show going. Mm. Uh, the focus is on entertainment, right. um, the praise band, or the orchestra, whatever it may be. Yeah. It's, it's the focus on the show, as it were. Mm -hmm. And I'm afraid that it's not just about bringing in unbelievers either. I mean, we, we reject that whole system, right? Mm -hmm. But let's just think of the system itself. I don't see the, this, this movement as just about reaching the unbeliever. 
Um, the fact is a lot of uh, Christians leave their small churches to go to these large churches because they are they are attracted to this kind of entertainment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. focus and, and the brand. Yeah, yeah. that's right. What, what I would add uh, to that kind of branding idea is you think of the major theme of Jesus' ministry, you have the humiliation of Jesus starting from basically from conception, from birth. You have that as the essential pattern, that humiliation from birth through life, and then there's the exaltation afterwards. And that is meant to basically give you a key indicator that the Christian life is not the opposite. The Christian life is not a path towards exaltation in this life. Usually the the Christian life is a path of humiliation. It's a path of humbling yourself. It's a path of, in some, in a lot of cases, uh, for most people, it's a path of obscurity. Because, let's just be honest, um, we're gonna, when we go to glory, there's a whole bunch of people we will meet for the first time. And that's the ordinary Christian. That God plants them in a particular place. Their sphere of influence, so to speak, is very small. Mm-hmm. Their family, their immediate context. And they glorify God in that environment. And then God takes them. And it pleases God to do that. That was his intention. It was his wise and holy providence by which he does that. Yeah. This is inverting that completely. This yeah. is essentially mm-hmm. making the claim that in order for the world to be reached, I have to aggregate all of this glory and attention to myself. Yes. Yeah. And therefore, you're in some sense shunning the providence of God and how he plants people in different places and different times. Mm-hmm. And kind of what you already alluded to, uh, when you think about the concept of celebrity, it's a very unnatural human institution in some sense it's something that is it's a weight on top of a person that is not born well by anyone in any particular field but even more for a christian leader a pastor you consider the spiritual warfare that the pastor goes through and you add celebrity on top of that you've now given satan himself an easy tool to lead you away from your simple devotion Mm -hmm. to christ And as was already stated, it's not surprising to see the rising of people and then the crash and burn. It's not not unusual to see it. It's tragic and horrible every time we see it. But it should be a byword. It should be a warning. But unfortunately, it's the opposite today. Today, it's more of the mentality that maybe if I just tweak this, then Mm -hmm. I can have the celebrityism win people to Christ and influence and keep that status. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we've heard, you know, uh, men like Josh Harris, yeah. um, who has left the faith mm-hmm. and who was a very big sort of superstar when he was in his early 20s after he'd written this book, uh, Kiss Dating Goodbye. Mm-hmm. And what happened was because of the lack of proper ecclesiology and also lack of understanding of true piety, this young person who writes this book and it becomes very, whatever you think about the book, that's irrelevant at this point, but he is launched into a kind of celebrity status in the church as a young 20 something. And he stays there for the next decade and he, he, he doesn't really 
even understand his own you know relationship with the Lord he's not growing in piety he's exalted wherever he goes and so even from a young age people are exalting him and this is the way he conceives of the Christian life yeah. and it's a wrong conception of the Christian life uh, and, and so one thing I love about uh, reformed piety is there is always that constant reminder that we are all leveled right. at the feet of, of, of the cross. Yeah. But you know, if you're not preaching the word of the cross mm-hmm. and you're not coming to the Lord's table properly and you're not preaching through books of the Bible, mm-hmm. you can cherry pick out of the Bible and come up with all kinds of themes and, and, and areas you can talk about mm-hmm. and never really get to those points that are going to humble us into the dust. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one thing I love about Reformed worship and piety is you have that constant reminder uh, and reflecting upon through our hymns, Mm. through the Psalms, through the preaching, through baptism, through the table, that we are sinners and that we need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and when you as a pastor, and I'm speaking now, you know, personally as a minister of the gospel where uh, people will often give you undue uh, praise and attention. And it's, it's, it's that that every pastor should not want in terms of holding on to that. Mm-hmm. It needs to be a true deflection so that where there is attention given, because you are walking with Jesus, you immediately deflect that as, oh, thank you for the encouragement, but you know, I know who I am. I am a sinner saved by grace. And, but if, if I am building a brand mm-hmm. and other people are being hired to build my brand, then I'm not self-deprecating. I'm saying, oh, well, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is... this. That was my goal. Yeah, That's, that's right. the goal, <laughs> is to be well-known, to be influential, and to have a lot of money, mm-hmm. um, which is why you see these figures in these settings mm-hmm. making exorbitant so amounts of money, mm-hmm. making literally millions of dollars and, and building multi-million dollar homes, not just one, but many, and buying jets and driving Rolls Royces. Um, because they start believing the lie that they are the most important person in the church. <laughs> a a yeah. proper minister, if he's thinking properly, he is the servant and the least yeah. important person in the church. Because Philippians 2 said, you know, consider others as more important than yourselves. And then, he, and then where does it go? Who's the example of that? Christ. Christ. And this is a Christmas theme again, isn't it? it Christ, the, the Lord of glory, the Prince of Heaven, comes down to be born into poverty. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're going to look at his example then and, and try to build the brand and be a celebrity and to try to, you know, make everybody think we're the greatest thing next to sliced bread. Um, it, it's, it's ludicrous. Right. And uh, it must be called what it is. And uh, so anyway, and we, we always it should be called out because we're in danger of repeating history in this sense. And kind of going back to what was said earlier, not only have the pastors changed, the congregation's uh, own perception of things have mm. changed. And so some of you uh, may remember that about, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there was this big craze on the fact that Tim Tebow was a professing Christian. Uh, You may have forgotten that. (laughs) But 
10, 15 years ago, him winning the Heisman Trophy and now, uh, him winning the Heisman Trophy and being a well-known professing Christian, the immediate response was not to simply say, you know, praise the Lord that, you know, there's a, a believer that's in the NFL or in college, but the attention that he received Speaking that moment. engagements and yeah, it, uh, public it, appearances. Yeah, it swarmed and mm -hmm. swarmed around him. And this happens often. It happens a lot in All athletics the where they the worst of the celebrity issues happening among Christian athletes often. Mm -hmm. And we're in danger of repeating that. And so we haven't talked about what's going on now, but the recent um, profession of faith with Kanye West. Um, same thing's happening, that a, a celebrity makes a profession of faith, and the perception is that, wow, something incredible is happening here, that we now have a popular person who is a believer. Rather finally. Than, <laughs> finally, rather than all the other people <laughs> yeah. who have come to embrace faith in Christ. Right. And we're seeing a similar thing that may have happened to Josh Harris. Hmm. Josh Harris, a young man, gets pushed out very quickly. Which the Bible tells us not to do. Not to do that. <laughs> we're told explicitly not to do that. But same thing is happening with Kanye West right now. Uh, makes a profession of faith. He appears to be in a, uh, has a solid, uh, he seems to be in a church that's somewhat solid. And the immediate idea right now is, you know, he should make albums uh, about this. He should go on tour, publicly uh, yeah. proclaim everything. Yeah. He should, uh, and you see the same issue happening. We have this cult of celebrity happening in, in the sphere of within the evangelicalism. And I, the question is, are we going to be surprised if the same thing happens? Yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes it's as if we don't really learn these lessons. And so when I think about this, in much more detail, I think about the Apostle Paul in particular. You think about the Apostle Paul background, he would be one who could have easily brought extra attention to himself because he was very well educated. It was clear he's gifted in what he does. And he grew up in a society that actually focused on rhetorical skills. Yeah. That's that's the Greco-Roman world. Mm -hmm. But you read in 1 Corinthians that he deliberately downplayed those things. Yep. He deliberately deflected away that sort of praise. Otherwise, the cross of Christ would lose its power, is what his word, what he said in 1 Corinthians 1. That's exactly right. And what he is trying to drive home here again is that the word of the cross is what's important. It's not, it's not the minister, as he says in uh, chapter 3. Yes. Um, we're just stewards of the mysteries of God. Sure. God is what's important. Mm -hmm. Christ is Yes. Ooh, the action is important here. And the amount of time you see Paul spending in terms of warning uh, against exalting people, the amount of time you see Paul uh, deflecting praise away from himself, the amount of time you see him actually avoiding that sort of spotlight should give the Christian a firm idea that this was never meant to be the Christian norm to have this spotlight on you. At any particular time. And again, we mentioned earlier, look what this this system, this way has done to ministers. Mm -hmm. Look what it has done to them. Mm -hmm. We see one after another crumbling under the pressures of celebrityism, mm -hmm. where piety is not emphasized, mm -hmm. where prayer is not the focus. 
where you're constantly having to reinvent the church and reinvent yourself. I mean, how many times do we see guys in their 50s wearing clothing that is the latest fashion of, of 17, Too 18 often. year olds? Yeah. And it looks ridiculous. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember seeing one video where three or four of the kind of the biggest names in broad evangelicalism, which if I'm thinking correctly, all of them have fallen. But I remember this video where they were like filming them walking onto a, the stage, kind of like a, a band, like a famous rock band or something. And they were kind of like, they, 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 they filmed them. They all had these like real fancy jeans on, these expensive jeans, like rhinestones on them. And, and oh, uh, I won't mention that some of them were like <laughs> oh, overweight man. and stuff. And it was kind of funny. This is strange. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and they're, they're going in slow motion, you know, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, really? Wow. But what happened was some young guy who's been directed to build a brand mm -hmm. is, is just doing what the world does mm -hmm. and then bringing it into the church. Yeah. And my struggle is, okay, how much are we doing that in the broad evangelical church? How much of the world are we bringing in? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and could someone even recognize the difference outside of quoting the Bible here and there during a service? Mm -hmm. uh, are we different than, than, than the world? I think it was Amy Carmichael, the great Irish missionary to India, that said, whoever said that we had to become like the world to reach the world? Mm -hmm. it's, it's the exact opposite. I remember uh, John MacArthur telling a story many years ago about how there were these two guys, uh, teenage guys, that had really sort of been living a very sinful life and they were just kind of together realizing we need to go to church, you know, mm -hmm. we, we, we need to go. And so they, they, they went and they went to this kind of youth-directed thing and mm -hmm. it was all full of loud music mm -hmm. and, and, and a lot of craziness going on. And they, halfway through uh, the service, one of them leaned over and said, you know, this is nothing different than what we're used to. Let's go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So rather than hearing straightforward, clear gospel preaching about the love of God, the forgiveness of God for sinners, mm -hmm. and music that communicates the peace of God and, and the truth of God, they got just another version of the youth culture mm -hmm. um, that made them think this is, this is nothing different. I, I just wonder how often that is happening and how starved that Christians are for clear biblical exposition, if they've heard it at all. I think yeah. a lot of them just have never heard it, so they don't know what they're well, missing. There's some anecdotal uh, evidence for that because there are a lot, there's a growing movement of young um, 18 to 25 year olds going towards Eastern Orthodoxy yeah. in Rome. Yeah. And yeah. they're going there not necessarily for theological reasons, they're going there because it gives the sense of seriousness right. and reverence. And, and connectedness to the past. And, yeah, and connectedness to the past. And the reality is, if that is what's going on currently, that means there's already a resistance towards the seeker, celebrity, uh, will just make a youth culture surround the church sort of mentality. Mm -hmm. uh, the reality is that, you know, as we all confess, is that uh, God's children hear his voice, hear Christ's voice. Yes. And to the extent that you mute that because you refuse to preach the scriptures mm -hmm. uh, is to the extent in which God's people will go elsewhere into yeah. other places. Um, but 
Yeah. It's been said numerous times that uh, there's a difference between feeding God's sheep and entertaining the goats around them. Yes. <laughs> and we're at the point where uh, you can say there's a lot of places where you can entertain goats, but there are fewer places where feeding God's sheep is actually emphasized. And so success is not the goal, um, especially the world's uh, yeah. definition of it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's faithfulness. Right. Yeah. Uh, and this is what we see the apostles doing. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't see the apostles adopting the ways of the Greco-Roman culture and right. the way they led worship. Uh, we see in Acts 2.42 that the early Christians were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Mm -hmm. They were devoted to the means of grace to the faithful reading and preaching of the scriptures, to the administration of the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, and to prayer, uh, not just said prayers, but sung prayers, uh, the psalms, uh, hymns, spiritual songs. And so it's important that we remember, that our listeners uh, remember, that while many are good intent, have good intentions in terms of the way they structure church life and the programmatic entertainment emphasis of it, in the end, it leaves its leaders dry mm -hmm. spiritually, and it leads it, it, it leads its members to be dry spiritually. Um, and so we want to embrace Christianity on God's terms. And God's terms is that we proclaim Christ and Him crucified. God's terms is that we confess our sin. God's terms is that we preach the whole counsel of God, and we make... We, we have worship that's saturated in the Word of God and not in the Word of man and not in entertainment. Uh, both Christian and non-Christian alike need clear gospel preaching. <laughs> Isn't that right? Um, so uh, so let's, let's just be reminded uh, today of the importance um, of the emphasis that the Reformed faith places on these ordinary means of grace. The apostles weren't putting on shows. They weren't doing plays. Mm -hmm. uh, they weren't setting up coffee houses. They weren't doing all these things that many today with good intentions are doing. They were preaching the word of God. They were establishing biblical churches and they were discipling the people of God. And, um, and, and those, of course, uh, that included evangelism and the need to bring people to church and, um, and to share the gospel with them. And so uh, let's embrace faithfulness rather than uh, success. Well, thank you so much for uh, listening to this episode of Between the Times, and we hope you'll join us again. 